welcome and thanks for tuning in. This is Dr. Karnisha Smith, licensed clinical social worker here in Chicago, Illinois, and this is therapy. Let's unpack that. And while I do hope you enjoy the podcast, it is not intended to replace your own relationship with a licensed mental health professional. In this episode of Therapy, let's unpack that. I want to discuss what's it like being a therapist. Because it ain't on roses, sunny days, and lemonade stands. (laughs) I can tell you that. I'm going to discuss the raw, the real, the ugly, and the beautiful about being a mental health professional. I'm going to attempt to tackle this question from two perspectives without muddying the water and getting things confused. The first perspective is from the client and a therapist. The next one is therapist to future clinician. Now let's begin to unpack this. It's important to remember that therapists are real people. We have opinions, feelings, biases, a sense of humor, and beliefs that are either similar or differ from yours. We are just like everybody else. We are not robots that are programmed to be free from the aforementioned things and to not sometimes blank stare at a person or slow blink. We just don't judge you. And most times we're more objective than the next person. Who we are and how we are with our clients is totally different from how we are with our friends and family. Because guess what? We ain't your therapists. We are not trying to spend quality time with you by helping you unpack this and unpack that and diagnose your kid and diagnose your other friend or agree that your husband or wife needs psychotropic medication. No, 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 no. Nor do we have to have some kind of therapy filter when we do give you our input. When I give my friends and family my input, opinion, unsolicited or not, It's from a friend or family member's perspective. I'm not going to sugarcoat it and put it in a nice pretty box and wrap it in a bow. No, no, no. But I will say this. I cannot turn off being a therapist any more than a lawyer can stop being a lawyer. I was born to be a therapist. So sometimes that therapeutic side does pop out and you might get that therapy voice from me. But I try to separate work from home, and vice versa. Now let's talk about this, what it's like being a therapist when you're dealing with clients. It is the most rewarding career on the planet. This is a negotiable, it's not debatable, sorry, it just is. It's people going through pain and we get to talk them through it. They're completely vulnerable and entrusting us, strangers, to help them through their affliction. Now, if you think about it, that's some pretty heavy stuff. Being able to walk with the client through their darkest moments and to support them through their healing, that's the reward. That's the satisfaction. As therapists, we want our clients to get that aha moment and hold on to it. When my clients make progress, I do a little happy dance. Internally, of course, because otherwise that would just be weird. Because it means that therapy is working. It means they're getting it and they're using the tools to overcome various barriers they faced in their life. Because life is going to continue to throw stuff at you. For our clients, we have to be attentive and be some pretty good listeners. But that's not always easy. Imagine being in a warm room on a summer day. 
with a person with a monotone voice who's repeating the same story for the 15th time and you're already drained because life happens to you also. But you have to muster up all of the energy in the world to actively engage and not doze off. You have to paraphrase, challenge, ask questions, refocus the conversation. And it's not like we can just get up and take a bathroom break mid-session. It doesn't work like that. We have to fight our way through it for the next 50 to 60 minutes. And sometimes clients are frustrating as hell. And that's just that. Especially when you pour so much into them, they continue to backslide and re-engage in the same behavior. I had a friend tell me one time that imagine yourself like a bank account, right? And you're constant, people are constantly taking withdrawals and withdrawals and withdrawals and no one's putting in any deposits. Eventually you feel depleted. Sometimes that's what it's like as a therapist. We pour so much and give so much into other people that sometimes our bank account is empty. Sometimes our jar is 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 a little depleted and it's it can be a little frustrating, not necessarily with the client, but in general. Now, granted, that's why they're in therapy and we get that. Life happens. We all make mistakes. We take two steps forward and nine steps back. Sometimes our setback is a setup for our greatest come up and all that other good stuff. But I want my clients to win. I want the best for them. I don't want them in therapy any longer than they need to be. I'm their biggest cheerleader. I'm always in the background like, go get them, KK. Make me proud. So when they come back week after week after week, like, man, Dr. Smith, I messed up again. I'm like, oh, man, all right. No worries. Tell me what happened. Then we process it, develop a new plan, and put some new interventions in place. Sometimes the cycle repeats itself, and as clinicians, we beat ourselves up because it's, what are we doing wrong, or are we the right person for this client? Why can't they get it? Are we not working with them right? And sometimes that's a little frustrating, but you know what we do? We seek supervision. We'll get more into that part later. We come in contact with a lot of interesting clients who tell us some pretty interesting things. Some clients give us these little breadcrumbs and pieces of a story and then close the door on the topic. For example, I had a client who told me he spoke three languages, traveled the world, but wasn't in the military and was incarcerated for 15 plus years. Now, at the time he's telling me this stories, he's in his 40s. So I'm totally confused. Like, wait, I need answers. It was like playing two truths and a lie with this guy. So when I would ask about the world travels, he would smile and talk about white sands and warm water. Where were you? What was the, tell me about the water. Like, give me some information. But there was nothing. When I would ask about the incarceration, his responses were, I'm free now. Why would I want to go back there? My mind is only here now. And honestly, I had to respect that. Now, it took him months to build a certain level of trust with me for him to finally tell me that he was in jail for double manslaughter. Now, I'm not going to get into the details or anything like that. But after he divorced this to me, dude became angry and verbally aggressive. I definitely saw a different side of him. And eventually, he asked me if I was scared to be in office with him. I wasn't. And I said to him, no. 
that have no reason to be scared because you don't plan on killing me. I'm a therapist. We laughed about it, moved on. I did some really great work and he's doing amazing now. I also had a client, this one's kind of funny to me, tell me he was dating a celebrity. Now, it's highly possible. Don't know. Anything's possible. You just, you never know. When I asked how the relationship was going, he informed me it wasn't going well because this particular celebrity hadn't responded to his letters. So I said, letters? Like in an envelope with a stamp? (laughs) Like, you're in a relationship and this is your method of communication? Oh, Okay, cool. So my next thing was, let's talk about healthy relationships and effective communication. But being a therapist can be emotionally exhausting. We literally pour so much into our clients. And there's some clients and some sessions that just get the best of us and take everything we have. When you have individuals who talk about the physical abuse and sexual abuse and mental abuse they suffered at the hands of their father and mother or either or, or hearing that someone's mother sold them to the drug dealer for drugs, or sitting there with a father as he cries because you look like his daughter who recently died, or having a teenager beg you to take them home so they can just be loved. That hits home. That hits home in ways that you can't even imagine. And what do you do? You cry with them, or you be strong for them. You allow them to have their moment. But you realize that a breakthrough has just occurred and that client is in the beginning stages of healing. And this goes back to that moment that I told you about being a most rewarding career ever. That's it. Because those tears are more than tears of sadness. Sometimes those are tears of a breakthrough. Now, for future clinicians, what's it like being a therapist? First, I want you all to know that everyone is a therapist. I don't know if you all knew that or not, but everyone is an expert in the field of mental health. And it's probably because they took a few psychology courses in college or because they work with kids who have a mental health diagnosis and they were able to have a good breakthrough with them. Or maybe it's because they watched a few documentaries on Netflix. I don't know, but don't be surprised when your accountant friend Diagnosis someone with depression because they cry five minutes longer than normal. Oh, yeah. And everyone has bipolar, anxiety, depression, or they're a narcissist. So there's no point in doing an assessment, asking those ever so important questions, and using that thousand plus page book to determine the proper diagnosis. Just pick from the ones I listed and you'll be fine. And those unlicensed, untrained clinicians that I mentioned, They also know the best treatment plan for your client, not you who has a graduate degree and license in the field. You're just you're just fancy title or something. I don't know. But no, in all seriousness, you become a clinician because you want to help people. And that sounds so cliche and cheesy. But if you're in it for the money, then back slowly away. I'm not saying that you can't earn six figures. But I am saying it's highly unlikely that will happen right out of your master's program. You have to do this work because it's what's on your heart to do. You have to know your biases. You have to know the population you'll have trouble working with. I remember an old supervisor tried to give me a case where a mom had killed her toddler because she was intoxicated. I politely declined. No, ma'am. 
I can't I can't work with that mom. I don't have the skill set, nor do I have the sympathy for her. I also find it difficult to work with known pedophiles. That's just me. But I will say this. I've worked with clients who are racist and I knew that going into the session, it was on a referral and I work with them. Know what you can and cannot work with. And as a therapist, that that's essential is to know I would struggle working with this client and not struggle because it's a different population, but struggle because you can't empathize. Seek supervision. Even after you become licensed, seek supervision. Don't be afraid to request case consultation from another mental health professional. Whenever I'm stuck, I make a phone call. We need to do some case consultation. And of course, remembering to maintain HIPAA and the privacy laws that are in your state. And don't be afraid to have your own therapist. Most of us have one anyway. It doesn't mean that this isn't a career for you. It means you need someone to talk to that's not a friend or a family member that can help you process some things. A lot of things get dumped on us and placed in our lap. And remember, we are human too. In sessions with your clients, self-disclose certain things. Nothing too personal, but I can't expect someone to be vulnerable and we won't tell them anything about ourselves. I did tell a client once because she did ask, and I didn't see anything wrong with the question, if I had children. So I was like, no, I don't, I don't have any children. I have nieces, nephews, guy kids, um, but I didn't have my own. And whew, oh boy, did that one backfire. Um, because apparently, if you don't have kids, you know nothing about kids, um, you don't know how to work with kids, and you just don't know what you're talking about. But again, these are things that you will deal with as a clinician. You'll deal with a lot of just parents who are sometimes irrational. Sometimes you'll have parents who expect us to discipline their child and you have to tell them, I'm not here to discipline your kid. I'm here to help your kid process through their emotions, their feelings, and to work on their behavior. I'm not the disciplinarian. So again, different things that you'll kind of deal with as, as being a clinician. Don't be afraid to cry with your clients. Do not be afraid to cry with your clients. If they say something funny, laugh. It's okay to laugh. Laugh about it. Allow them to be themselves and watch that therapeutic relationship blossom and get so much stronger. Being a therapist is absolutely wonderful. We get to come in contact with a diverse group of people. We get to work with people from different walks of life. We get to gain insight and understanding and really, really, really develop a toolbox of interventions and things that are going to help our clients. You have to remember that it's okay to see a therapist. And I hope that I've given you some insight into what it's like being a therapist. And thank you for tuning in. Talk to you soon.